You're listening to an On The Move Media Co. production. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie On The Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to Monday Moves, a weekly Marnie on the Move podcast series, where I, your host, Marnie Salop, drop in here to share some exciting stories, interesting tips and advice, education, all kinds of stuff where it is just me, solo, talking to you, my listeners. So I just got back from an awesome week in Florida, kicking things off with the Miami Half Marathon on Sunday, and then this weekend up in Orlando at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. It was super hot and then very cold. Let's just say Florida was awesome, interesting, and I'm good for the rest of the year. (laughs) Originally, I flew into Miami to race the lifetime half for the fourth time. I dropped in to visit some family in Del Rey and then went up to Orlando for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, which was truly awesome. Shout out to my partners at Brightline, who really made this possible for me and in a super awesome, easy way. I first dialed into Brightline last year when going to race the Miami half. These trains are super nice. They have great snacks, food, and service, and they get you where you need to go fast. I get so much done on the train as opposed to renting a car and driving, and this has really been a game changer for me. They even had a super early train that took runners and spectators into Miami early that morning so that they could get to the start line for the Lifetime Miami Marathon and Half Marathon. And they also had a train from Miami to Orlando, which is how I got to Orlando. And I didn't have to drive for three hours or four hours or however long it is. I did make a few stops on the way, but you get it. It was awesome. All right, let's kick things off here with my Miami Half Race Debrief, because this is where my weekend started. The Miami Half Marathon historically has been one of my favorite races for so many reasons. It's fairly flat. It traverses the streets and many fun neighborhoods in Miami from running along South Beach, crossing the three islands. You're surrounded by water, art, culture, nightclubs, and fun. The only thing for me that isn't really fun is the early morning start. As you all know, my listeners, I am not a morning person. I do try to rally on key occasions that include races, but getting up early for me is just not fun in any way. But I am a night person, so I usually don't get any sleep the night before a race. But I get it. We're in Miami. It's super hot. The temperatures are 80 degrees by 8 a.m. So I understand why they start the race really early. The past two years have been actually really, really hot and very challenging as someone coming in from New York City where it's been freezing for the past two weeks. So one of the reasons I love this race is that it's super nostalgic for me. I mean, I've grown, I grew up going to Florida and Miami specifically as a kid with my grandparents. Then 
I spent my 20s and 30s there partying and drinking and going to nightclubs and doing PR and living in that music DJ nightlife scene. And now for the past decade, I've been here running and racing and training. And so it's a it's a real full circle experience for me. This year, I got to do the race with my sister, who I'm so proud of. She is a total superstar. It was her first half marathon. And I got to say, as a first half marathon, it was tough because you're just never prepared for the heat. And there's you know no way to know unless you live there and train there what it's like and what you need in terms of hydration, even nutrition, um, you know, in terms of like electrolytes, all those things like you just don't know unless you go down and train for at least a week to understand how your body responds to the weather, which no one had the opportunity to do. So my sister ended up getting super dehydrated and going to the medical tent after coming through the finish line. But she is a true rock star. And after that experience, she said she's never doing another half marathon again, which I completely understand. For many of my listeners, we've all said those things. So <laughs> I'm not going to say anything to my sister. I know she listens. Hi, Jody. Anyway, all right. So here's how it went, the play-by-play. I flew into Miami Friday night from New York City. Like I said, it's been freezing here for two weeks. So racing in Miami seemed like a dream until I did it. I got my race number on Saturday I felt great Sunday morning. I took my Salas an hour before the race. I ate my usual toast and coffee. I did my typical nutrition. I didn't use anything different than I normally use. I had my scratch hydration. I did this race in my New Balance Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V4s, which were great. I love them. Lifetime sent out a warning about the heat on Sunday morning before everyone got to the race. And I decided in that moment to pivot and really do this race as a training run and really not even focus on anything but staying cool and having a low heart rate because I would rather be safe than sorry. So my entire focus of the race shifted and I really was kind of like mentally on board with whatever happened. So my plan was to stop at, you know, every other water stop and pour water over my head And I carry my own water bottle when I run because I like to know exactly how much water I'm drinking and make sure that I'm drinking enough. And I feel like sometimes when you stop at the water stations, you know, it's hard to track how much is in each thing. And I'm super specific because, well, I'm a triathlete. So anyway, I look at the numbers. And so therefore, I really was very dialed. And I knew I was only stopping at the water stations to pour water over my head and down my back, put ice in my in my hat or whatever. There was I wasn't necessarily drinking water, but I did refill my water bottle a few times and add more hydration. But those stops take time. And so I had to let go of any concept of time for this race. And I really was fine with that because, I mean, I wanted to finish. So I actually ended up doing my goal pace, which was staying in zone two, probably my heart rate was like 140, 145. And I ran an 1115, 1130 pace, which that was my plan. You know, I've been running for me, that's not ideal. I would like to be doing a 1030, but in a zone two, but you know, it is what it is. And I've been running this pace now for a few months in New York, training for the Paris marathon. And It is, you know, that's my pace. And so I figured I would stay slow and stay cool. When I came through the finish line, I waited for my sister. She came in a little later than me. And like I said, 
she was severely dehydrated and we went to the medical tent. They were amazing. Baptist Health was amazing. They were super great. So although the race was super challenging for both of us, and it was a great weekend despite the weather challenges. I got to spend time with my good friends in Miami. I saw my nieces and brother-in-law on the run course. They made awesome signs, which at mile eight or nine, I think it was, really helped me, gave me extra energy to finish. I got to spend time with my sister. So all in all, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, sometimes a race is just not about PRing, and that's totally cool. But sometimes it is, right? I mean, right after the Miami half marathon, I went to visit family in Boca and then went up to the U.S. Olympic marathon trials, which... It was about PRing. It was about all of these incredible, amazing athletes that were competing to go to the Paris Olympics this summer. And if you're not already dialed in, Fiona O'Keefe from Puma made world record history with the fastest women's trial time ever, 2.22.10, also making the team for Paris with incredible times. Emily Sisson from New Balance with 2.22.42, and Dakota Lindorm from Puma with a 2.25.31 time. And as a fourth runner-up, and this is such a cool story, Jess Tan McLean, who is a marketing executive, she came in fourth with a time of 2.25.46. Just think, if you're a competitive amateur runner and have another job, you could also train to go to the Olympics. Just saying. Everything is possible. And anything is possible, but I'm sure she worked really hard to get there. Anyway, it's an incredible story because she's not a signed athlete and she is crushing it. And yes, there were also men, of course. Connor Mance from Nike with a 209.05 going to Paris and Clayton Young from ASICS, 209.06 also going to Paris. The Olympic marathon trials started at 10 o'clock. So I can only imagine, even though it was a little bit cooler than my race in Miami, I can only imagine what it was like for them competing in that heat and having to go markably faster (laughs) than me, like actually twice as fast, right? So I, I can't even imagine. A lot of athletes actually dropped out before the race and some of them didn't even finish. But you know, in the end, we're all human and life happens. And so that's, that's okay. Definitely, I'm sure, just totally sad for those athletes because they worked their whole lives to get here. But like I said, life happens. And of the 200 runners who started the men's race, only 150 finished. In the women's race, of the 149 starters, only 116 made it to the finish line. As a media person and spectator at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, it was pretty cool, I have to say. When I got to my Airbnb Wednesday night, I could already feel the energy of the city, the running vibes, the streets were being fenced off. I could see all the tents were set up along Lake Eola from my window. It was quiet for a minute. Wednesday Eve, I went to the Hoka press launch of their Fly Lab and picked up a pair of the Cielo X1 shoes to demo and interviewed Becca Bro, Hoka Director of Product Performance Footwear, to learn all about this new shoe firsthand and to dial into her very cool role at Hoka and her go-to shoes, dropping this conversation this week. But 
just to say, Hoka is just a beacon of innovation. And I'm just such a big fan of the brand. Thursday morning, the running festivities began. There was an on-shoe demo run. There was a Tracksmith five-miler on the course, both of which I did not go to. I had severe cramps in my calf at 5 a.m. So I ended up running on my own around Lake Eola, couple laps, and had the opportunity to test out these new Hoka Cielo X1s, which I absolutely love. I also got to see some black swans and white swans, which from New York City, like I don't really see swans unless I go to the zoo. Uh, That was kind of cool. I also learned that they are not nice animals from a friend, so I stayed far away but managed to take some videos. (laughs) I'm definitely afraid of birds, if you know anything about me. I'm kind of, like, terrified of them. So um, it was, like, really out of my comfort zone to even make a video. But they are super beautiful. All right, later that day, I went over to the Grand Bohemian Hotel to the Tracksmith Athlete Suite where I interviewed the founder of Tracksmith, Matt Taylor, Also, I interviewed Lou Serafini, who's the global director of community, and he was also competing in the Olympic trials, which was his third Olympic trial. Got to connect with him, and I caught up with Nick Willis, the community manager at Tracksmith and a five-time Olympian. We talked a lot about Tracksmith's amateur athlete support program, which is really awesome. And Tracksmith actually had 20% of the field wearing their singlets and gear, Also, of that 20%, 50% of those athletes were women. All of these conversations are on our YouTube channel right now at Marnie on the Move podcast on YouTube. After the Tracksmith interviews and activations, I went over to the Brooks Hyperion House, which was seriously next level, over the top, huge. They had a huge stage with panels with Kara Goucher, Des Linden. I dropped into that athlete panel. Then they also had great music, food, snacks, drinks, shopping, screen printing, all kinds of stuff, popcorn, all kinds of just fun things happening. And I'm pretty sure a lot of this was open to all spectators and athletes not just media. Brooks really does a great job at engaging the running community wherever they go with their Hyperion house. While I was at the Hyperion house, I had the opportunity to sync up with Kara Goucher for a couple minutes and talk to her about her broadcasting her book and generally what she was excited about at the race on Saturday. This conversation also up on the YouTube channel. After the Brooks Hyperion house, I hopped on the bright line and went back to Boca to hang with my family. Overall, my week in Florida was awesome. I had a great time. I got to do all the things I love. Run, work, see family, hang with friends, and soak in some sunshine. All right, guys, that's it. It's a wrap. See you next week on Monday Moves. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events.